God's men should never mistake the, the humbleness and the lowliness and the long suffering of God as if He's forgotten about our sin. I mean, He has forgiven us of our sin. He remembers them no more. But wait a minute, judgment begins at the house of God. You're going to die, and everything you lived for outside of the will of Christ is going to burn. Everything. A fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up His banner and fight the darkness with His light. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The bullpens in this country. Gave in. Gave in to public pressure. Gave in to political correctness. One of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. Preparing the Christian to shine the light against the darkness of this world. Welcome to Our Mighty Fortress Podcast. I am your host, Ron Miller, and welcome to the show. We have a motivating subject to cover today, but first, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on the podcast platform in which you are listening to us upon. We have several social media platforms with all sorts of material that you can listen to and read, and it's growing more and more every day. If you're listening through YouTube, please be sure to hit that subscribe, like button, and that notification bell. It sure really helps us out. Also, take a look at our fan page on Facebook when you type in at Our Mighty Fortress. You can also visit our website at OurMightyFortress.com. We have a host of media where you'll find articles, videos, and even our merch store. If you feel so motivated to donate to the work that we do here, feel free to do so through our website and the established PayPal link. By following and supporting this podcast, you let me know that you care about the subjects that we discuss. Today, I want to talk about the foundation and root of this podcast found in God and how it can help you in our modern time. This foundation is in the book of Psalms, chapter 31 and verse 3. It says, quote, For thou art my rock and my fortress, therefore for thy name's sake lead me and guide me, end quote. I want to discuss why God is our rock and fortress. I also want to show everything that entails in the meaning of God being a fortress. We'll even take a look at God's expectations of us and how he can shape us into a person who can stand against the darkness of this world. The battle has only begun in this long war against Satan. With that introduction, let's get right into this. The first thing that we're going to look at is what actually defines a fortress. When we say that word, all sorts of imagery may come to our minds from fanciful fantasy type of castles to a sort of dark and dreary medieval keep. A fortress is a large and strong building or set of buildings that can be defended from attack. Now, there are so many different kinds of fortresses, and not all of them are the same in their defense. There have been many mighty fortresses, and some even leave their permanent impression upon history. Let's take a look at a few of those, and we can get an idea of what man can do, and then we're going to match that against what God does. The first one that we're going to look at in history is the almost impregnable fortress of the city of ancient Babylon. 
The Greek historian Herodotus makes comments about the outer walls of the city and that they were over 300 feet tall. There have been many conflicting sources on this, but it still estimates them to be between 200 and 300 feet tall. And really, that left such a terror upon those who would even think to besiege the city. I can imagine if I was a foot soldier looking at a 300 foot tall wall and I look at my commander and just be like, are you serious? You want me to try to get over that? <laughs> The ancient Persians, though, conquered the city in 539 BC, and they didn't even bother to go over the walls. Instead, they diverted the Euphrates River, which actually ran through the city, and they went under one of the gates when the water level was real low. <laughs> That's pretty clever. And as clever as that was, it left us with this imagery of the respect people had for the Babylonian fortifications. Let's jump forward in history to around, say, 72 AD and the siege of the fortress at Masada. The fortress sits upon a high plateau of about 1,300 feet to the east and about 300 feet to the west. Sitting on such a plateau really made it hard to besiege. During the Jewish revolt of that time, the historian Josephus records that a group of zealots, over 900 of them, rebels stood inside that fort while the Roman legions surrounded it. After a couple months of work, the Roman commander had actually made an earthen ramp built all the way going up the side to the wall. They put a battering ram up at the top there and they eventually busted through that wall and tore it down and the Romans invaded. The funny thing was that almost all of the inhabitants decided to take their own lives instead of fighting against the Romans. There are about eight to 9,000 in the Roman 10th Legion. And so I guess against 900 rebels and hardly uh, hardened foot soldiers, they found it worthless to even try. I have personally been to Masada, and instead of taking the cable car that goes all the way to the top, I decided to hike its trails going all the way up. And I thought, well, you know, I hiked in the Marine Corps, so this fortress has nothing on me. Well, it's quite a challenge. And me and some of the, several of the other brethren actually conquered it. We did it within about 30 to 45 minutes. It was a pretty good hike. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're having a good hike and <laughs> 900 people committed suicide up at the top. <laughs> Sounds kind of odd. It actually is. <laughs> when we're at the top, you could still see the Roman earthen ramp that rides all the way to the top uh, there today. You can even see the Roman and encampments around the fortress as well it was absolutely fascinating to see such a dirt ramp and you see the wall torn down where it ended in our final example let's jump again further in time to the cream of what medieval european cultures could do for their fortifications around the 1500s a.d there was the edinburgh castle of scotland the castle was actually positioned on top of what they call Castle Rock, which gives it a commanding view over the entire city. It was used as a royal residence as well as a military outpost for obvious reasons. History shows that it was actually besieged over 25 times, but it was never taken by brute force. That's pretty good. Kind of reminds me of the Babylonian walls. There were so many more amazing fortification by men hands throughout history but all of which could be conquered 
subdued, or simply erode away over time. When we look at the description of what God is as a fortress, can we really imagine all of the power that makes up his defense and protection? Of course, it's just a metaphor used of God's power and strength, but what a mighty picture it poses. If man could build such amazing works here on earth, just imagine, even if we can comprehend so, what God could actually do. His defenses do not erode over time, nor are they conquered by enemies. There are many verses that even depict God as a mighty fortress, and it's not just Psalm 31. We see in Psalm 18, verse 2, Quote, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Psalm 71 verse 3 says, Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Psalm 91 and verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. The first part of Jeremiah chapter 16 and verse 19 states, O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction. The overall picture that is painted is that God is our rock, our strength, our refuge, and our fortress in our time of need. It is important to also note that a fortress is not only a fortification for defense, but for offense as well. A fortress was the central point in which military officers would meet to discuss plans of defense for their city or their nation, but also plans of counterattack and offensives. Many have found this very abrasive and not very loving in our modern time. Many love to hear about the love of God, but not the holiness of God in which defines that love. Many want to hear of the mercies of God, but not of the righteous judgments that he casts forth. Many like to point to the Old Testament God and how that he was abusive and he was nothing but judgment. But the student of the scriptures will find that the God of the Bible was consistent from the very first page of Genesis in the Old Testament to the very last page of Revelation in the New Testament. The love of God was shown in so many facets in the Old Testament, and they're quite easily missed. He showed his love not only with his people Israel, but his prophets through the different stages of history. And of course, this culminates with the church. Any man or woman who chooses to walk with him was greatly beloved. Of course, people would not always choose to do so, and they chose, sometimes, the sinfulness of this world to pursue after. We should notice that not all sins were judged right away either. For instance, it took over 300 years for God to judge Israel and Judah in their divided nations. They were steeped in terrible and atrocious sin, and yet... God's mercy shone through to the very end when he had to deal out judgment. We forget that reading through the pages of the Bible and the amount of time that elapses within them, 
We forget about that time elapsing. In the New Testament, God judges Ananias and Sapphira, who dropped down dead before the apostle Peter. Their great crime was lying before the Holy Spirit, and it was all in the name of trying to look spiritual. It reminds me of the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, starting in verse 22. It says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. How many prophets of old have preached from the fortress of God? You should really take a study sometime of the book of Kings and Chronicles, and you'll find the mentions and acts of the various prophets and the various things that they went through. What is interesting about that is that many of them are not named, and many suffer death at the hands of God's enemies. Either way, God gets the glory. And those prophets are shining gems in God's sight. In battle, there are casualties, and some of them are out of personal choice rather than the sword of the enemy. How is this so? It happens when we pursue after the fool's gold of this world, and it tricks us into pursuing after it rather than God. The Apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, and starting in verse 16, it says, quote, this I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. End quote. And then goes on the list of various sins of the flesh, like adultery, idolatry, strife, heresies, and much more. How much better is it to be in the fortress of God where his redeemed work together against the wickedness of this world? It's quite a good place to be when we realize our sins before a holy and righteous God. We then seek forgiveness of those sins and choose to walk in the Spirit. God's greatest works are done when we are at the end of ourselves and in desperate need of him. Let's look at the book of Psalms, chapter 31 and verse 3 again, when it says, For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. We saw that God is our fortress. But the psalmist also shows us that we're to ask him for guidance for his name's sake. What does that mean? We are called Christians because we trusted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We believe in the redemption of mankind set out from the foundation of the world. We are believers in the one true and living God. And it is his name that is on the line when we live for him. God has certain expectations as well as promises where he will reward those who are faithful to his name. How are we guided in this life? It reminds me of Psalms 119 and verse 105. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. One theologian put it this way, quote, What is a lamp for? To give light. How do I know that light is light? Simply by its shining. Light is its own evidence. If a lamp cannot be kindled or being kindled refuse to burn, no argument will persuade you that it's a good lamp. If it burns bright and steady, shedding a clear light on the page that you read, 
the work that you handle, the path you walk in, no argument will persuade you that it is not a good lamp. So it is with the word of God. End quote. God has also promised to listen to our prayers and give good things to those who ask. The word of God is filled with encouragements and commands to pray with the demonstration even there that prayers do get answered. Answered prayer can be both in the affirmative and the negative, a yes or a no. When we suffer affliction in this war against the flesh and the devil, we may have to suffer for our own good and for the glory of God. It's not always clear to see this in the beginning. But a Christian walking with God will take up his sword nonetheless, the word of God, and keep fighting the good fight. Why? Because God is his fortress and strength. When we think of God being a fortress, how does this translate into what we're to do today? What does righteousness and judgment entail in our modern world? So many people have opinions about this. But God has written that he expects of his people to be moral as given in the scriptures. We also see an outline of law and justice when governing a nation as well. In fact, our fifth amendment in the Constitution is based right out of Genesis and the story of Abraham and the judgment of the city of Sodom. Many of the founding principles of America were based upon biblical scriptures, though we have come a long way from that sort of foundation. Some may oppose the idea of violence given about the crusades of the Catholic Church in times past, but it should be noted that violence was only ever justified in the case of judgment upon an individual or a nation. Some of the peace-loving, tree-hugging so-called Christians of America that abhor violence, yet they expect police and military to carry guns to protect them. Of course, that is not real biblical faith. God is our mighty fortress when we keep close to him and follow what he expects of his people. He is not obligated to protect you if you run outside the city walls and go dance in the middle of the enemy's army. <laughs> as funny as an imagery that is. The wisdom given in the scriptures gives us exactly in principle how we're to conduct ourselves, not only in our personal lives, but how we govern a nation, America, Long decided ago that the fortifications that God offers is not good enough for her and decided to pitch a tent facing Sodom. This is a reference of Genesis chapter 13 verses 12 through 13 where Lot, the brother of Abraham, thought it was better to go hang around wickedness rather than righteousness. America's choice to abstain from God has left her desolate and with cancer. The sickness is not hidden anymore, and it's in the stage four process and is as visible as ever. We are crossing a threshold in which many Christians are finally waking up to the fact that America is sick and on the verge of death. Unfortunately, there are still many who wander the streets of Sodom as if there's no judgment coming and no wrath of God is on the horizon. We here in America are still relatively new to persecution when it comes to standing for the faith of God. I know men right now that are receiving a bit of that in the street preaching and some of our nation's largest cities being spit upon, 
being physically struck, then even arrested by the police for preaching the word of God either on the street or in front of an abortion mill. I admire these men, and there is much more to the sword that will one day fall upon America. Many brethren around the world have already received the martyr's crown for standing up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of course, there are many who may question God about human suffering, but with little knowledge nor wisdom. An old Methodist preacher named John Atkinson wrote in his book, The Garden of Sorrows, speaking of the sorrows of Christ. He said this, quote, Now, if Jesus could not walk our mortal pathway without being subjected to mortal woe, is it strange that innocence and goodness suffer? If earth could not afford its maker a home without giving him a portion of pain, is it strange that none of its children are exempt from a like portion? Goodness is no protection against suffering. The purest of saints have often been the most tried and tortured, end quote. I still remember receiving this book from a friend that found it at a yard sale, and what a treasure it's been. Satan may seem like he is winning, just like he thought he won at the foot of Jesus' cross. I can imagine that all of the hosts of heaven that fell were there that day at Jesus' crucifixion. We can imagine for a moment that Satan probably thought at that moment he defeated God. Little did he know that the cross would be the method by which his power over the world would be taken away. In conclusion, know that America is changing and it's not for the better. One day, the sword will come for Christians here, just like many other nations around the world. But just know that one thing remains the same, and that is the fortress of God. A fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up his banner and fight the darkness with his light. I want to thank you for listening. And be sure to follow us on the podcast media. Please take a look at our website, ourmightyfortress.com, and subscribe for more updates. Stay tuned next time for more great content. And remember to find your refuge and strength in our mighty fortress.